New York Times ethicists weight stigma problem. This is the Weight and Healthcare newsletter. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing and or sharing at weightandhealthcare.com. Wow, did a lot of you write to me about this one. Someone wrote into the New York Times column, The Ethicist, to ask if they should intervene because their friend, who specifically asked them not to talk to her about her weight, is fat and, in their perception, has health issues, which of course the letter writer blamed on her weight. So obviously the answer was, you should stop monitoring your friend's body size and thinking and writing about her in shame-drenched ways, respect her wishes, and work on your own weight stigma, right? Wrong. What followed was a masterclass in what happens when someone using a title of authority, like ethicist, is coming from a place of unexamined weight stigma. I'm sure that the ethicist didn't intend to do harm and likely does excellent work in other areas but he is in a position of incredible influence and my concern for those who may be harmed by this has to come first. I know that I often give content warnings for pieces like this, but I want to be extra clear on the content warning here. For reference, I've been writing about weight stigma for over a decade and have developed a robust toolbox of coping and self-care skills and support to deal with what it takes to dig into situations that are personally dehumanizing and break them down. And this article was still difficult for me to read and write about. The letter, which I'm not reprinting, is awful, and the answer, at least for me, was worse in many ways since it gives weight stigma power and a platform. Please take care of yourself and feel free to skip this one. The headline was, My friend has become, quote, obese, should I intervene? The magazine's ethicist columnist on respecting a loved one's boundaries when concerned about their health. Again, I'm not reprinting the letter. The language is steeped in weight stigma and paternalism, and the word choice around her weight and health seems to me to be purposefully inflammatory and hyperbolic. The person who wrote the letter is guessing about their friend's weight and blaming it for any health issues she may have, and it's impossible to say if the health issues listed are accurate, exaggerated, or simply in the writer's head. It's also entirely possible that any weight gain and any other health issues this woman may be experiencing are caused by another factor that the friend writing the letter isn't aware of. Apparently, in addition to monitoring and judging her size, this letter writer has also been monitoring and judging her food intake and relationship with food as well and thinks it is their business how she talks to her doctor and her family. The letter says, quote, I have thought about approaching her children about this, but if that doesn't work and the children tell my friend I tried to intervene, I am sure that would be the end of our friendship. She has told me, quote, don't talk to me about this, end quote. At this point, I want to say I think it's possible, maybe even likely, that the original letter was written by an internet troll. The language used is very consistent with what you see in troll forums and troll attacks on fat people online, and if this is the case, then the ethicist fell headlong into this trap, and if not, it's still a horrific letter. Let's break down the ethicist's answer. Quote, Your description suggests that your friend has class 3, quote, obesity, quote, morbid obesity is no longer the clinical term, a chronic complex condition that has impaired her ability, a chronic complex condition that is impairing her ability to carry out certain ordinary functions of daily life and putting her at serious risk of debilitating disease and premature death. Of course you're concerned. Any friend would be, end quote. Whoa, why is the ethicist starting by pseudo-diagnosing someone who is not involved in the conversation, rather than being deeply concerned that the person writing to them has ignored the clear boundary created by their friend and instead publicly derided this person's size, food choices, and how they choose to communicate with their family and their doctor and wants to know if they should enlist family members in this effort? 
Also, the ethicist's armchair diagnosis is based on the letter writer saying that their friend, quote, must be X pounds plus overweight, end quote. A trained medical doctor shouldn't attempt to make a diagnosis based on that, let alone someone whose training is as a philosopher. And note that, quote, obesity is a term that was made up to pathologize bodies based on shared size with classes of, quote, obesity being even less credible if that's possible. The ethicist also failed to mention that the same issues that are correlated with being higher weight are also correlated to weight cycling and weight stigma, which is what is on display here. Further, the language the ethicist used is straight out of weight loss industry jargon, so I'm wondering if they got their information from an astroturf organization or diet industry propaganda. Moving on, quote, but you're not telling her anything she doesn't know. The cost of the promising new weight loss drugs is perhaps something of a red herring on her part. Insurers, public and private, will generally cover medically necessary bariatric surgery, which is substantially more effective than the drugs are. With surgery comes a risk of major complications, but the perils of living with class 3, quote, obesity are greater. There are forms of therapy that address eating disorders, including binge eating, associated with severe, quote, obesity. In any event, a competent primary care provider will already have informed her of her medical options. The correct answer is... You're not telling her anything she doesn't know, and she has asked you not to talk to her about it, so we're done here. The correct answer is not to suggest that someone who, again, has not asked to be diagnosed or discussed in this way, is being dishonest about their financial situation. Even worse, recommending a dangerous surgery and claiming that the, quote, perils of existing while fat are greater than those of mutilating a healthy digestive system to create a permanent disease state is absolutely not based in evidence and is massively out of scope for an ethicist whose training is as a philosopher. The idea that if you can't afford or don't want dangerous diet drugs, then you should instead have part of your digestive system amputated because insurance will foot the bill for that, is ethically questionable at best. Finally, the ethicist's categorization of eating disorders as being associated with severe, quote, obesity is pretty questionable since people of all sizes get eating disorders and the least he could have done is said if she is dealing with an eating disorder. Again, none of this is within the area of expertise of philosophy, and all that was really needed here was the first and final sentence, if anything. Next, he writes, As for the risk of approaching her children, if you think they have a good chance of succeeding where you have failed, that's a risk that a friend should take. Yet they can surely see that she is suffering because of her, quote, obesity, so a safe assumption is that they have already tried to get her to seek medical help, and that she's told them what she told you. The woman being discussed here, again, without her consent, is not a project for others to succeed or fail at. Being fat does not mean that she loses her agency or her humanity or that her life and choices become subject to the rule of others or that her boundaries should be violated. Here we see how the ultimate end of weight stigma is dehumanization. Also, do we really think ethically that a friend, when told, don't talk to me about this, should hear, go behind my back and talk to my children? I do not believe that the ethicist's advice here is morally justifiable in any way. Next, he says, quote, unlike her primary care provider, you have no special knowledge of complex conditions. One such complexity, the vicious cycle that can arise between depression and, quote, obesity. You may not be the right person to make a difference here. She has explicitly asked you not to raise the issue with her. As someone who cares about her, you obviously have reason to want her to get healthier, but you can't insist on it, end quote. While the ethicist also has no special knowledge about this, 
though that certainly hasn't stopped him so far. Note that he is still coming from the position that this woman is a problem to be solved, making assumptions about her weight and health and life based on a letter written by someone else. Note that he mentions the idea of a supposed vicious cycle, not a medical term and offered without evidence, between depression and existing while fat, without mentioning the correlation between depression and weight stigma, which he is actively perpetuating through the pathologization and subsequent dehumanization of fatness. He goes on, quote, If the time comes when she cracks the door open to a conversation about her health, there's plenty of good advice out there, including from the federal site health.gov, about how to get into it, end quote. If you have to go to a website to get health advice for someone, then you have no business giving them health advice, especially in this situation, since you also lack the expertise to understand the ways that weight stigma might be impacting the advice or how it might apply to your friend. Also, since she has been clear that she has no interest in hearing from you on this, instead of pouncing on whatever the writer perceives to be a cracked door, perhaps wait for a full-blown invitation. The ethicist continues, quote, keeping your focus on her well-being, not her eating habits, avoiding fault-finding, judgment, and shame, talking with her, not at her, end quote. Nope. If you are giving someone health advice that they have not solicited, then you are already engaged in fault-finding, judgment, and likely shame. You have made the determination that they aren't making the, quote, right choices or taking the, quote, right actions for their health, that you know better than this person how they should conduct their life, and that you should impart your, quote, better ideas upon them. The ethicist goes on, quote, I'm glad you've made it clear that you're concerned about her welfare and want to help however you can. I wish she'd listen to you, end quote. Note that despite a letter dripping with weight stigma, the ethicist has cast the letter writer as the hero in the story, fully accepting their dubious premise, taken everything they said as the truth without any sense of perspective on how this person's bias might have impacted their letter, and then the ethicist even puts himself and the letter writer on the same side against the subject of the letter for her unwillingness to subject herself to this person's weight stigma or comply with what they think is best for her. As long as we're making guesses, it sounds to me like this person likely berated and badgered someone who has asked them to stop. And instead of telling this person that they need to stop monitoring their friends, body health, and conversations with family and doctor and respect their boundaries, the ethicist laments that the subject of the letter won't submit to her friends' diatribes, which, if they are remotely like the letter, would border on abusive. It ends, quote, but as her friend, you also have to listen to her and take notice of the boundaries she has set, end quote. This is the last line of the ethicist's column, and it should have been the entire column with a few revisions. Like, whether or not you are her friend, you should listen to her and respect her boundaries. If you are thinking about talking to a loved one or, hey, a total stranger about their weight or health, I have a handy guide available at weightandhealthcare.com. Did you find this post helpful? If you subscribe for free, you can get future posts delivered to your inbox directly or choose a paid subscription to support the newsletter and the work that goes into it and get special benefits. Go to weightandhealthcare.com and click subscribe.